0: Welcome to the Better Together podcast, brought to you by the Emergency Services Foundation. This is a podcast dedicated to supporting and improving the mental health
1: and wellbeing of the many people, paid and volunteer, who serve our community
0: in emergency management roles. My name is Susan McKenzie, CEO at the Emergency Services Foundation. And I'm Sarah Hewitt, ESF's Learning Network Program Manager. Today we're speaking with Inspector Margaret Lewis, Margie's with VicPol, and she's agreed to have a chat with us in our inaugural ESF podcast, which we're doing to coincide with Women's Health Week. Thanks so much, Margie, for joining us and being our guinea pig with our podcasts. My pleasure. Can you tell us about your role in VicPol? What are
2: you doing now? What's your role now? I am currently in my 43rd year of serving in Victoria Police. And um, since October last year, I've been working at the State Emergencies and Support Command. And my predominant role at the moment is working on the bushfire review implementation project, which I've been doing since um, January this year.
1: Maggie, how did you come to be a police officer?
2: Well, when I was 12 years of age, my uncle, um, my uncle David, graduated from the police depot in St Kilda Road. And so from the age of 12, I decided I wanted to be a police officer. No other reason. And then as I got older, I continued with that and thought it would be a very worthwhile career, uh, which it has been. I did a few part-time jobs you know, when I was at school. I finished school when I was 18 and just worked in retail. Back then, women had to be 20 to join Victoria Police. And the day I turned 20 um, in 1978, I walked to the Springvale Police Station and submitted my application and started that year in 1978 in November at the Police Academy in Glen Waverley. And where was your first placement? Where were you sent to first? Uh, My first station was Brighton. I was one of two policewomen, one of my squad mates. We were the first policewomen at Brighton Police Station. They'd never had women there before. I think um, my first day I was greeted by a sergeant um, who said to me, we don't want women here. (laughs) (laughs) And I was very young and innocent and very scared of that sergeant who turned out to be a brilliant sergeant and um, turned out to be great in my three months training at Brighton. So that's where I started.
0: What's the biggest change you've seen in, in terms of women in the police force over that 43 years?
2: Well, I guess the the, the biggest change is that women were able to uh, work part-time if they wanted to. A lot of women have consequently been able to continue working. I have a few friends who had to, and quite a few squad mates, because I had double squad, 25 women and 25 males back in 78 and a lot of my colleagues and friends had to leave because once they had children because there was no option for them to work part-time so I think that's the biggest change and of course now we have um, women in um, high ranks higher ranks and there's nothing that a female can't do in this job which is really great you know well, any opportunity
0: that's fantastic.
2: So, look, we all know that working in the
0: emergency services is can be stressful. Um, you know, we've heard the stories. We hear the stories. We know the statistics. We've all got little signs when we get a bit wobbly. I lose my keys. Um, how do you know when you're a bit wobbly?
2: The first thing that happens is I uh, my sleep is terrible. I can't sleep. Um, and that has happened to me. Several times in my 43 years um, as a police officer, first thing, I I cannot sleep no matter how tired I am. And, you know, as we know, that's the worst thing, sleep deprivation and working shift work, of course, just makes it worse. So lack of sleep um, and feeling agitated and anxious all the time, you know, it's like a monkey on your back. You can't stop it. And um, obviously, um, back in the day, I would tend to drink a lot more as well. So that those three things are signs, you know, straight away that things um, that I'm not traveling well. So what works for you when you start feeling that way? I think um, I have learned over the years the best you might need to go and see a doctor for medication medication. Um, depending on the severity of – I went through a bit of a rough time after my husband died nearly 10 years ago and had to seek some medical intervention um, around depression for that. But over the years, I think you really need to speak to someone if you can. It might be just a peer support officer or one of your good friends. But go and speak to a professional just to – help you cope. Um, Sometimes, you know, I know a lot of my colleagues have had to resort to sleeping tablets, but um, the best thing that works is exercise. I know um, over the years you think that you're you're going crazy, you get changed and you go for a walk for an hour and you come back and all of that anxiety A lot of it is dissipated. So I find exercising, no matter what it is, a walk around the block walking the dog, um, seeking advice um, and self-awareness of when you're not travelling too well and getting that assistance makes all the difference. Prevention is the, the key, is what I say now. Always do things to prevent you feeling like that Um, Now, thanks to Spotify, when I feel like that, even at work when, you know, open plan, it can become quite um, hectic. You can put on some relaxing music and that helps as well, you know, little things. I think the fact
0: that you, a really important thing you said there is about being self-aware and being able to recognise those signs and symptoms in yourself is really so in, so important. Absolutely. I guess
1: the question about that is have you always had that awareness and those self-care strategies throughout your career or have they changed or have you adjusted them
2: over time? Definitely not in my years in, early in my career. they. There wasn't anything or there wasn't any, any education or availability for getting some assistance after going to a traumatic job that we didn't have that availability. Thank goodness we do now. And um, I know when the recruits start their training, it, they are taught uh, now to put their hand up, ask for help. They're told what's available. So back in the day, we never had that and it was frowned upon. Now we do have that, and it's very important. And I think as you get older, anyhow, you become more self-aware of your own um, abilities, capabilities, your your levels of emotion, and therefore it's um, something around as I said before, self-awareness. You che- you've got to do a checklist with yourself um, in. In any job, but in particular in emergency services, you've got to do a check, a well-being checklist to make sure that you're traveling okay. Um, and it's there's nothing wrong with doing that. And I've done that over the years. I've learned to do that because um, it's about looking after yourself and others and um, making sure that you're you're good for your family as well. Um, So, just like you go and get your car serviced, I always say you go and get your car serviced when it's not travelling too well. So, you need to do the same. You need to just sometimes check in and get a little service, speak to someone, um, go to the doctor if you're not sleeping well, or all those little signs, just do a check in
0: and go and get some help. So, that's interesting. Do you think that there are generational differences between? how people approach their own mental health and wellbeing like that you've observed in the, in the, in the service over the years?
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, Back when I joined, it was a sign of weakness to um, ask for help and we were, you know, told suck it up, get on with it. And, you know, you're too scared to show any sign of weakness, especially as a female back in the day, because we were a minority and, if you couldn't handle it, we were <laughs> – it wasn't good for us, you know. You you were seen as being weak and uh, that's why we don't want you here sort of thing. So I quite often would put on a brave face and be absolutely sick inside. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – this generation, you know, people say this generation is soft. No, they're not they're not soft they're more self-aware and because of the education system we now say this is what you have to do to look after yourself so um, this generation are happy to put their hand up which is brilliant it's awesome it's great that's generational what about differences
0: between how women and men communicate their struggling of any generation do you think there's a difference or do you think we've sort of turned a corner now, where mental health is so, you know, Graham Ashton, for example, said, you know, I need time out. I'm yeah. burnt
2: out. I need time out. Do you do you think that there is a difference between men and women? I think women are more open communicators, and of course, I'm generalising. We love women will chat to their friends, girls, you know, get together and. Um, we do tend to do that more openly than men do, and that's the nature of the beast. But I think I think what Graham did was with his leadership is he gave men permission to say, "I'm not traveling too well. Look, I know lots of men, obviously, lots of um, members, um, male and female in this job. and I think most of them, My generation, the older generation, are willing to put their hand up now. And, um, you know, I have some colleagues at the moment. They've put their hand up. They're not travelling well. And people go, Good on you. You know, we're here to support you. I'm a peer support officer. So I tend to, you know, be a little bit more aware of that. I was in charge of welfare for three years. So I'm a little bit more attuned to that, of course. Um, but we have a lot, we had a lot of male members, employees, ringing Welfare, asking for help, a lot.
0: I did notice when Graham did that a few years ago, that a lot more other senior people from other organisations then started, if not taking time out, at least verbalising the need to acknowledge their own wellbeing and their struggles. Ah, oh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. And look, we've got Prince Harry, we've got Prince William, you know, people around the world are open about mental health issues, which is wonderful. That's what we need to do. It's It used to be you were locked away in an asylum. So thank goodness we've come full circle.
1: We've come such a long way. And Maggie, I noticed that you point out that the leadership at the very top has had a big influence on this chain, this ability to put your hand up and say, I'm struggling. What else do you think is helping the situation at Victoria Police in terms of that shift in having the conversation?
2: Well, I think um, we are educating our leaders and our managers, senior managers, a lot more now. We've got great, um, great support. With our return to work um, injury managers, once it was once you're off sick, yeah, no worries, see you, you're you're out of the way. But now we're hopefully being a lot more interactive, and you know um, Gallagher Bassett accept the claim, we get people treated earlier, so they're getting um, able to take care of themselves and get the help they need straight away, and we're working towards getting them better not you know um, getting rid of them unfortunately sometimes people don't get better and we need to um, exit them out of the organization which is unfortunate which is not good because not everybody can get better and get back to work but we're building I think with what processes we have in place now and the education across the organization that we can um, by getting help by using our preventative procedures and preventative measures, every time you go and ask for help when you're not coping well, is a tick against you, I I believe, and you know, the research says, it, it builds your resilience. And that's what we're doing a lot better now. So all of that builds our resilience. So when we do get hit over the head again, You bounce back better. You know what to do. And and I think we've gone from where people were not resilient and not asking for help and full circle. And I think that's the positive out of everything is that we are becoming a more resilient organisation by asking for help and seeking that assistance. So so if you were to give some advice to young
0: women starting out in emergency services, not just police but anywhere, mm. about how they can build and maintain their own well-being. what would you say?
2: My advice would be um, don't be afraid to ask for help um, because your job, whatever you do, ambulance, um, fire, police, Uh, SES, whatever, it's not easy. It's not always easy. So don't be afraid to ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It's actually a sign of strength. Prevention is the key. Communicate and de-stress. That's what I say. And make sure you have other interests out of work. Don't make work your life. Work is part of your life, but it's really important keep your friends from school or uni, keep your outside friends, do things that are completely different to work and do things that are fun and um, do things that'll make you laugh to counter the sad things that you have to do at work on a regular basis. And you know, all of this will build your resilience. Great advice, great advice. If we fast
0: forward another 10 years to 2032, what kind of progress do you think we will have made when it comes to understanding, protecting and building good mental health in the wider sector?
2: I think it won't be such a focus. I think, you know, moving forward, because we have so many options now with social media platforms, um, you know, things like blue space are you okay day all of these different areas um, the police association have a, a new platform we can use the organizing organization has blue space all of these things are there for our employees and their families and I think it will just be people will just go and get that um, assistance and it won't be such a focus and I think I don't know but You know, I think more and more people will tend to just automatically go and ask for help and it it won't be an issue. They'll just automatically do it. It'll be more of a people will check in, your bosses will check in with you as a a general uh, everyday thing, which hopefully they're doing now. But I think it'll just become less of an issue and, um, you know, who knows, I think we'll become stronger as well as an organization, or all of all the organizations, and we will become stronger because it will just be every day that we're not coping. You get help and you just get on with it because you can.
0: It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Margie. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the this Emergency Services Foundation Better Together podcast which aims to provide you with insights about mental health and wellbeing from experts, thought leaders and people on the ground. And if you want to know more about
1: what we do or better skills support our work, please go to esf.com.au.